0: Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. More damaging intel has been uncovered in the Greenbelt land swap scandal. The gas tax cut lives on, a bump up in Burlington's budget. How's your financial literacy? Rick the Temp joins the show, and a dentist wants to buy your Halloween candy. The GMH podcast begins now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Newly released documents are raising new questions about Premier Doug Ford's involvement in the Greenbelt land removal from places like right here in Hamilton. There are also questions as to whether Ford gave the province's integrity commissioner inconsistent information about meetings with a uh, landowner who was trying to develop a piece of property on Barton Street for
2: like two decades.
0: I do talk to thousands of people. Uh, all all throughout the year with great ideas.
2: Did you lie to the integrity commissioner about that?
3: I would not. I have the utmost respect for the integrity commissioner and the job he does, and uh, I'm always there to assist him any
0: way I can, and I'll continue to assist him. Colin Demello is our Queens Park bureau chief for Global News and joins us on GMH. Colin, thanks for joining us again. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. We've had you on a lot over the last week or so. Things are, I mean, getting juicier by the day and I guess maybe getting more damaging by the day for Ford and the conservatives. What are we hearing on this latest installment of the Greenbelt land swap scandal?
4: Yeah, I mean, we are now in the drip, drip, drip stage, right? Everything that happened about a year ago is slowly coming to a head. And, 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 you know, this is exactly a year ago when everything kind of, came to fruition right november 4th was the day that the ford government had officially revealed that they were going to be um you know, opening up parts of the green Belt for development triggering this massive scandal the, the latest is the questions about whether the premier gave inconsistent testimony to the integrity commissioner and, and it has to do with this land uh, in Hamilton. It's a small parcel of land that uh, the, the owner had been looking to remove for years. He had argued that, you know, it was mistakenly put into the green belt. And for 20 years, he'd made this case to successive uh, governments and anyone, really, any politician who would listen, that it should be removed from the green belt. Well, the premier told the integrity commissioner that he had no recollection of meeting this individual and no recollection of having any green belt discussions with this individual. Well, these documents that were released on Monday seem to paint a different picture. The company that this individual owns uh, actually sent a a memo to the government saying, hey, we just wanted to recap all of the efforts that we've made. And they said in September of 2021, uh, the the landowner held a fundraiser for MPP Donna Skelly uh, in Hamilton, in in Ancaster to be more uh, precise. The premier attended that as did the head of FlyUNEB, Joe Mancinelli, and and a number of other people. And in this memo, it says that they specifically discussed this property and that the premier had agreed to kind of move this file forward. So now we have the premier on one hand telling the integrity commissioner under oath he's never discussed the Greenbelt land removal with this individual. And we have a company memo owned by this individual saying, in fact, it was discussed and the premier Promise to move it forward. So that is the question that the premier is facing here: which one is the truth?
0: You brought up uh, PC MPP Donna Skelly. Uh, she's obviously caught up in this, as is former Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Steve Clark lost his job as housing minister. This is this is more than just the premier being caught in this.
4: Yeah, I mean that's correct. Like this is this is now growing beyond. Uh, but but the big question is, you know, the premier's office and the premier has been able to kind of uh, insulate themselves to some degree, right? Blaming it on Ryan Amato, the former chief of staff to housing minister, Steve Clark, blaming it on Steve Clark, the former housing minister. Now, as individuals start to leave the government and we're seeing more and more and more of that happen, it leaves the premier and the premier's office feeling a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more exposed. And that is now where we're seeing the questions put directly to the premier about what he has done, what he has said, or what he did not uh, say or do. And, and and this is, you know, the, the grip seems to be tightening a little bit. And of course, behind all of this is that RCMP investigation. So it's it's not great for the government right now. And they're desperately looking for channel changers.
0: To that end, the gas tax cut announcement, was that more of a political move to kind of deflect some of this attention away?
4: Uh, well, it's a little bit of column A, column B. I mean, you know, it, it is it is something that they want to uh, offer to people as much as possible to to kind of distract from what is the the you know the preeminent scandal right now. Uh, but but also, I mean, affordability is one of the big topics uh, in the province, and it's a big issue for a lot of people. And, and the province had introduced this affordability measure, cutting 5.7 cents per liter off of the gas tax. Um, they introduced this about a year and a half ago. So they've already spent about $1.2 billion in this gas tax cut, and, and they want to extend it for a little bit longer. There's another affordability measure that's set to be announced this week as well, and that's uh, fair integration So if you live in the greater Toronto Hamilton and uh, greater Toronto Hamilton area, your fare is going to be integrated. So if you take the go as an instance from Hamilton to Toronto and then hop off and have to go on to the TTC, the second half of that will be covered by the province. uh, So you won't have to pay double fares. So these, I, I would say, fall more under the umbrella of affordability because everyone's hurting right now. And the province is kind of very attuned to that.
0: Just want to circle back to the Greenbelt uh, land swap scandal. Is there is there another shoe to drop? What's next?
4: I, I mean, I think we're at the stage where instead of big shoes dropping, you're you're seeing little drops here and there, right? Like this this FOI dump was was fairly big and it's kind of reignited the scandal. I, I think what we're seeing now is as the as the province tries to kind of get away from it, there are little things that keep coming up and blowing up in their faces, and and you know they are forced to react, and it and it creates another round of controversy. The next big things, I think, will be What is the Auditor General going to find because they're investigating ministerial zoning orders and how the government has used them? What is the Integrity Commissioner going to find because he has active investigations into people who are in Premier Doug Ford's orbit? And then what is the RCMP going to find Um, as they conduct their investigation? They're starting to now interview members of the government. So as all of these things come to a head, they're not going to play out over the same timeline You know, it might be over the course of 2024 that we reveal or or see more details come out. So this is going to be a very long and
0: painful ride for the Ford government. Very interesting one by the day as well. Colin, thanks for breaking it all down with us this morning.
4: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Colin Demello, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News, who always has the latest analysis and insight as to what is happening with the provincial government and some of the ramifications of the decisions that are made, like this Greenbelt scandal.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: We have some good news to share. My gosh, usually it's it's the opposite. <laughs> but we got some good news yesterday from Premier Doug Ford. Ontario's 5.7 cent cut to the gas tax is going to be extended until next summer. Well, there's a sigh of relief, isn't it? province first brought this cut in back in July of 2022. So it's been around for a little over a year. And it has extended it a few times since it first introduced it. And uh, Mr. Ford said the reduction and a 5.3 cent cut to the price of diesel fuel is going to remain in place until next June 30th. This extension will save the average household $260 per year since the tax cut was first introduced. That's money that goes back into people's pockets to help cover essential expenses because we know every dollar counts. You will remember that the premier promised to lower gas prices by 10 cents a liter during the 2018 election campaign. We're not quite there, but hey... Five point seven cent. I'll take that. I'm sure you will too. Riley Locke is a policy analyst for Ontario with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Riley, good morning. How are you?
5: Hey, I'm I'm great. How are you doing? Today?
0: I'm good. This announcement from the premier must be good news for businesses.
5: Yes, it's it's great business. It's great news for businesses and consumers alike. Um, this kind of um, tax cut is, is really beneficial for people both at the pump, but as well as for um, for drivers of of other kinds of vehicles because this tax cut also applies to um some different types of diesel as well.
0: And the timing is pretty impeccable because we know the busy and lucrative Christmas shopping season is on the way.
5: Yes, that's that's a very good point. Um I think that's something that consumers will look forward to um and knowing that they'll have a little bit um you know they'll be able to continue saving on gas that they um in the same way that they have been for the for the past few months as well.
0: Still, though, there are a lot of challenges that business face. What are some of the roadblocks and the hurdles that businesses big and small are having to deal with?
5: So at the moment, um, businesses are continuing to face increasing costs of inputs, um, not just fuel, but also um, other inputs for their business. You know, we've seen supply chain challenges continue even post-pandemic. Um whether it be for raw materials for construction companies or the cost of food for our members, for businesses in, in hospitality, um, there, there's cost constraints across the board.
0: Inflation is certainly a big concern for whether you're an individual or you're with a family trying to you know, sort out your, your household budget. Certainly with businesses looking at inflation, that has been a major challenge. Have, have most businesses got a handle on it or is this still a daily struggle?
5: So there are still um, a good number of businesses that are struggling with the uh, the rising costs. Um some of the major cost constraints outside of, like I mentioned, input costs still continue to be, um, things like insurance, um, things like um, rent increases and whatnot. Um, but businesses are are working really hard to to stay afloat. Um, and, um, at the moment, I think the biggest concern for small businesses when it comes to this gas tax is knowing that they can save a little bit of money on, on that fuel, um, and put it towards paying down, um, debts that they might've accumulated throughout the course of the pandemic.
0: It's a good idea. Looming large, however, on the horizon, still talk of a recession. How much discussion is this item getting in boardrooms and businesses around the country?
5: So I can't speak to that. Um, when it comes to businesses, I I wouldn't, I, I don't. You know, personally, um, have any experience speaking with businesses that are talking about um, a recession looming? I'm certain that it is on the minds of some, um, but this isn't something that we really speculate on at the moment ourselves um, at CFIB.
0: Given all the stuff we talked about, all all the bad stuff, along with you know the good news of the gas tax, is it still a good time to open a business to start a business in this country?
5: Um, I think there there are plenty of entrepreneurs that are still you know pushing forward with their businesses. We have new members at CFIB. Um, pretty frequently. um we have businesses at CFIB that have only been open for a few years, some that have only been open for less than one year. Um, so it seems like there are there is still an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and the, there are con- the conditions can be right for that in certain industries. Um, but we understand that it is very difficult for some businesses, um especially new ones, that are really trying to just get off the ground. Um, there are challenges that um, that are still that still lie ahead for those businesses.
0: That is a good point. Riley, thanks for the time this morning and enjoy the rest of the day.
5: Awesome. You have a great day as well. Thanks for having me.
0: Riley Locke is a policy analyst for Ontario with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Speaking of that entrepreneurial spirit and that business spirit, uh, Hamilton Day runs through Sunday here in the city, uh, and it is all put on by the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. And uh, thousands of restaurants and businesses in the city will be partaking in that. So support local, shop local indeed tomorrow, all weekend long and all year long. There's no doubt about that.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900. CHML.
0: The mayor of Burlington is going to be presenting her city budget to council tomorrow. It's a, it's a bit of a different kind of execution in terms of how the budget is uh, comprised and collected and proposed. Uh, this one has a 4.99% tax increase, which should really come as no surprise to anyone given the financial scenario that virtually every community in this province, in this country, is in right now. Marianne Mead Meadward is the mayor for the city of Burlington and joins us now on GMH. Mayor Meadward, good morning. How are you? Morning. Doing great. What are your priorities or what are your themes for this 2024 budget? What did you concentrate on?
2: Well, we've really heard from the community that these are extraordinarily tough times and they want us to focus on need to have. So that is the bulk of the budget. It's what I call the essentials those things that we're already committed to, contractually obligated to do, as well as things like infrastructure, state of good repair. We don't want our roads, community centers, parks falling apart. Uh, also looked at frontline services because even as residents are saying uh, please don't raise our taxes they're also asking for enhanced and new services things like uh, plowing pathways to schools so that kids can choose to walk rather than be driven and it's safe it's not icy uh... so and then the final category is planning for growth we are in a housing crisis Uh, burlington has unanimously adopted the provinces target for us twenty nine thousand homes We don't want to just build homes. We want to make sure that we're building complete communities. So we've uh, put some money, I've put some money in the budget to prepare for all of the growth that is coming and make sure we maintain that quality of life.
0: Interesting that you mentioned that. I was talking to a developer the other day who said that communities like Brantford and Hamilton and even Toronto have great processes to move along Uh, planning for building of homes, but identified Burlington and Mississauga as two communities that need to speed up the process. Uh, Can you give us a glimpse as to whether or not that is achievable?
2: We absolutely uh, are open to process improvements, to making things faster. Time is money for uh, applicants, but it's also time and money for us too. It's our staff time and it's getting that assessment growth and uh, ongoing tax revenue. Uh, But we want people to be able to move to Burlington. And so actually on today's uh, committee agenda, there is a brand new standing committee, uh, never been done before. It's called the Pipeline to Permit Committee of Council. And it will include representatives from the development industry. We, HBA and BUILD, uh, will have a seat and a vote and a voice around that table along with council members to uh, specifically look at process improvements. So this is, uh, I hope, going to be a game changer. We've got the terms of reference coming to council for approval and I hope it'll be unanimous.
0: That is good to hear. The proposed tax increase, unavoidable?
2: It is, uh, it's absolutely unavoidable. We, you know, with inflation still being close to four percent, before you do anything, you have to account for that. And uh... you know so we we have to we have to be prudent in our budgeting there was a period of time in burlington back in the nineties where there was zero percent increases for a long period of time that has really uh... you know the chickens have come home to roost on that our our budget versus say oakville's budget which uh... increased maybe one percent a year over that same period of time they have a hundred million more dollars than we do in the budget to serve their residents and and so we don't want to make short-term decisions and have short-term thinking we need to prepare for the future and so this is really my best effort to to balance the fact that we know things are unaffordable uh, but we also need to make sure that we're being responsible uh, now and for the future in delivering those services that residents expect. Uh, the other thing that we're doing is uh, my colleague, uh, Councillor Paul Sharman, who's also the Deputy Mayor of Strategy and Budget, has asked staff to report back on enhanced property tax relief programs. So, as we're saying, you know, yes, it will go up, we also know that that will be really difficult for some people. We do have some property tax relief programs right now, but we're looking at how do we increase that given the situation that we all find ourselves in.
0: We have a couple more minutes with Mary Ann Mead Ward, the mayor of Burlington, who will present her city budget to council tomorrow. this is the first time you were basically mandated by the provincial government. Mayors now have greater input on how their budgets are created. Talk about this process. Was it fun? Was it challenging? What did you think about it? Uh,
2: it, it was actually a really interesting process uh, and and uh, one that I don't take lightly is a massive responsibility the legislation under strong mayor powers requires me to prepare a budget and there's no delegating that and so i worked very closely with staff uh, as well as my colleague uh, the deputy mayor for strategy and budgets paul sharman we worked very closely to uh, get the information we needed understand uh, the pressures on the budget and then make uh, in my it, you know in my case uh, it's my budget so all the blame <laughs> let rest here if people don't like it uh... but it it's actually uh... now presented to council so i'll formally introduce it on thursday it's already online at Burlington.ca, and uh... council will now have a chance to amend that and so i'm i'm glad that the process still improves uh, still allows for and requires council to be involved in this at the end of the day this will be a mayor and council's budget we will land where we land based on amendments they can amend my budget they can cut things add things uh... you know that that's what we'll be doing uh, november twenty first and twenty third uh... probably the better part of both days uh... looking at those types of amendments so this will still be uh, a collaborative process with staff the community and uh, and council of course Uh, But but I they're now amending what I've presented and my my very best guess at at where we should be uh, focusing our attention.
0: Well, good luck with the uh, potential number crunching that is going to continue not only this year, but in the years ahead. Uh, Madam Mayor, thanks for the time today. Thank you. That is Burlington Mayor Mary Ann Mead Ward as their uh, budget process is uh, obviously, as you hear, uh, continuing and in the uh, final short strokes to uh, to get it passed.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: It is November, and that means it is Financial Literacy Month here in Canada. It comes at a pretty good time, I would say. So, how are Canadians doing when it comes to their finances? Is it a case of good? In case of bad, in case of ugly, probably somewhere in between, depending on where you are in your financial life. Paul Anacek is the vice president, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Debt Solutions here in Hamilton, and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Paul, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great.
6: Like many uh, around the area, I'm having a little bit of candy regret today, but uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm in a, you know, with a lot of people out there, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in a, you're in a big uh, majority population with everyone yeah. who dove into their chil- uh, children's candy last night. Uh, let's get to Financial Literacy Month here in Canada. And um, the theme this year is managing your money in a changing world. So uh, how are Canadians doing when it comes to financial literacy? Let's start there.
6: Well, Canadians are actually doing a lot better in financial literacy, and Financial Literacy Month was really launched back in uh, twenty eleven. So this year actually marks the thirteenth an- anniversary, of our thirteenth annual uh, Financial Literacy Month. You know what Canadians, we've been on the show many times. You know, need to improve their finances, and the government really has realized that, and that is one of the key focuses of the financial government. You know, and it continues to be one of the key focuses. As I mentioned, Canadians are doing much better when it comes to growing their finances. However, you know, we continue here survey after survey to see how many Canadians are struggling when it comes to financial literacy. This is really the lack of know-how that really impacts their financial decisions and their their overall financial health. And as we know, financial health also leads to debt stress. So, you know, it also leads to better physical health when people are financially literate. You know, we look at some of the surveys that we've just really seen from Equifax, you know, nearly half of those surveys are worried about paying off debt. You know, that's mortgages and student loans, but only 18% have sought professional advice or counseling for debt management. You know, 42% of young adults appeared the more likely to rely on social media for financial education versus 22% of all respondents. That's amazing that, you know, people are turning to social media rather than going right to the source for financial literacy. And 32% of Canadians never checked their credit report. So while we're doing better, there are some key areas of concerns. Yeah, those are pretty amazing stats.
0: Now, throughout the month, the uh, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada's key messaging, from what I understand, is going to focus on debt management. What can we do to improve our financial
6: literacy and our financial resilience? Well, week number one, uh, and we're starting today, is get the pulse on your financial health. You know, what is financial health and what is more important? So we're asking Canadians, you know, take a look at yourself. First of all, review a budget. If you don't have a budget, now's a perfect time to get one. Obtain a copy of your credit report. You know, a lot of people do not look at their credit report, and it's very important because we know there's a lot of financial fraud, but there's also duplication of people with similar names. And we're also, in week one, asking people to talk with your bank or your current financial planner. So get advice, you know, people always change in their lives. So it's important to get updated financial advice. Now that's just week one. So I'm excited to see that we're gonna have a uh, future uh, weeks, but you know, first of all, let's just focus this week on the three key areas that I just mentioned.
0: We're talking about Financial Literacy Month in Canada on Good Morning Hamilton. On 900 CHML, Paul Anachek is Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions here in Hamilton. Check them out online at bdodebt.ca. Now, for those who do want to become more financially literate, how can people manage their money in this ever-changing world?
6: Well, there's some great sources out there. And as I mentioned, you know, we don't want to be turning to all these social media to get our financial skills so there is a lot of great sources out there uh you know first of all if you visit uh, uh, our website at bdodebt.ca it's great uh, advice for people it's got tools there it can help people with their budget if they don't have a budget it's got a budget template there i also encourage people to go to the financial consumer agency of canada's website you know you can either google fcac or go to their website at canada.ca money And again, you are going to have some great sources there. If you want to go the old fashioned way, walk down to the library. Uh, and uh, the library has some great resources in the financial section. Also, you know, talk to your bank, talk to your financial advisor, talk to family and friends this month. Get the word out that it's financial literacy. So, you know, that you can make it inclusive for everyone.
0: You've already uh, handed out a bunch of uh, great advice. What else do you have for our listeners today?
6: Well, improving one's financial advice should always be top of mind, not just in November when we mark Financial Literacy Month. You know, we're in the midst of an affordability crisis. If there was ever a time to grow your financial knowledge is now. You know, having the skills, knowledge, tools, you know, will help you make informed money decision, which leads to improve financial health, well-being and resilience. So give us a call at one eight five five 855 bdo debt or visit our website at BDO-DEBT.ca to schedule a free confidential appointment to talk about your financial skills.
0: A lot of options out there. And the sooner you start, the better your outcome or the more options you have. That's for sure. Paul, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rick. Paul Anachek, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee, BDO Debt Solutions. Online, bdodebt.ca.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Hey, the Much Music Experience Tour is coming to Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall this coming Saturday. It's a documentary feature. It's called 299 Queen Street West. And uh, that's going to be shown. And then after each screening, there's an intimate and interactive session with some of the most iconic Much Music VJs of all time, as well as the director of this documentary, Sean Menard. Joining us now is Rick the Temp. Yes, Rick Campanelli, actor, (laughs) producer, iconic Much Music VJ. Rick, good morning. How are you?
3: Good morning, Rick. I guess I'll never be able to shake that handle, will I?
0: (laughs) It is iconic, and I mean. You not only played the part, you developed it into what I think is a legendary character when it comes to v- video disc jockeys.
3: Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for the nice words. I, um, I just lived music back in the day when I was a teenager. You know, even in elementary school, coming home from school, putting on Channel 29, watching the music videos that were so novel and new at the time, and then getting into what the VJs were up to, especially Steve and Eric and Michael Williams, so, yeah, like to land a job at Much Music, um, as a young Canadian, uh, I was in dreamland for, for many, many years. Uh, well, Let's just say 11 years. The, the day I stepped in until the day I left Much Music, it was, um, it was a dream gig, and I was so fortunate to have it.
0: So you're going across the country with, as you mentioned, some of the other people who made Much Music what it is. Um, is it like being yes. back with an old gang or like an old rock group getting back together?
3: <laughs> we're bringing... Sean Bernard's getting the band back together uh, for his uh, for his documentary. Sean, of course, from Hamilton. Uh, I, of course, from Hamilton, born and raised. Um, but we're going to be bringing out um, uh, Bill Wilichka as well on Saturday. We've got Erica M. coming out. we got Michael Williams coming out. So there's going to be a bunch of us. And yeah, we stick around after the film. We answer questions. We chat with the people. It's so, sort of like a meet and greet. And... Um, just to get back to the viewers that, you know, those dedicated viewers that tuned in to watch uh, all those years ago. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way to Calgary right now, um, but we'll be coming back for Hamilton. Then we're off to Windsor and then back to Edmonton next week. Yeah, Sean wanted to bring the uh, documentary, his documentary, to like 14 different cities across Canada Before the doc starts streaming on Crave in December,
0: that's cool. You've already been to places like Toronto, Montreal, Halifax, Ottawa. You mentioned Calgary tonight. What's the response been like?
3: The response has been amazing. Um, Like uh, Sean's been blown away. We've been blown away. Like the the um, the nostalgia is at an all time high, (laughs) and and people just want to take a trip down memory lane. And that's what Two Ninety Nine Queen Street West is all about. Sean went through like. 4,000 clips, and and he he picked out the best of the best. Like he could have turned this into like a 10 part series for Crave, but um maybe, maybe I don't know if he wants to put a lot of work into it. But it was a six year uh a challenge for Sean to put this documentary together, and the people that have been coming out to witness to to screen the film with us, they've just been it's been nothing but positive comments and. Uh, and everyone's been loving it. So I, I hope you get a chance to come out on Saturday, Rick, and I hope I hope your listeners get a chance to come out. If not, I, like I said, it'll be on Crave uh, starting uh, middle December, I believe. It's going to be a
0: great time. You can get your tickets on Ticketmaster at the box office. It's at Hamilton's first Ontario concert hall this Saturday. Yes. Can't wait to see it and be a part of reminiscing about uh, some iconic times of Much Music. Rick, thanks for the time, and
3: uh, good luck with the tour. All right, thanks so much, Rick. Hope you enjoy the film on Saturday night. Have a great day.
0: You too, Rick Campanelli. Rick the Temp from Much Music fame, still famous from Much Music and is uh, going strong. This is, this is an exciting event. Looking forward to this.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Did you take a deep dive into your kids' or grandkids' Halloween candy? Be honest. Be honest. I uh, Our kids are, are too old to go out now, you know. 22 and 18. I know I'm an old guy. Uh, they no longer go out. They go to parties now, not the trick or treating door to door. So, there wasn't much candy left over in our bowl. We got about 50, 60, maybe 70 kids last night, which is a pretty good, pretty good response in Halloween night. Nice to see the kids get out and and celebrate the night. And um, as I said, we had a, l- a little bit of Halloween treats left over, which is which is always fun. But now that Halloween is come and gone. We know that the fun doesn't stop there because, you know, after dressing up and gathering a bunch of candy and sweet treats, kids from coast to coast are going to be munching on all this junk food over the next few days and weeks. And I'm sure parents are going to help them out, right? It's a a team game when it comes to candy consumption. Uh, However, and this is really cool, there's a dental office in Niagara, uh, Niagara Falls to be exact, who wants to buy back your candy. Christy Sikonolsi is a registered dental hygienist who runs the Candy Buyback event at Niagara Falls Dental Clinic and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Christy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing
7: great. How are you?
0: I'm good. This, I, I really love this program. How long have you been doing it?
7: So we actually launched before the pandemic and we're just kind of bringing it back this year. So we're so excited.
0: So what was the response like pre-pandemic from this candy buyback?
7: It was pretty intense. It was insane, actually. Really? We had so much, yeah, a lot of cooperation from our our community and most of the children just donated everything back to charity. So this year we're doing more prizes uh, and we're so excited to see the, the support from the community. So how does this work? So any candy you want to get out of the house, we will offer the children five ballots for entries into some really amazing local experiences. Okay. So for one pound of candy, they're getting five ballots. We have $50 gift certificates for the Wild Play Adventures course, uh, $50 for Crocodoodle, and for the laser tag and bowling, each $50 at the quality end. And the grand prize, the big one that we're thinking most kids are going to be going towards, <laughs> is a $500 gift card for the Great Wolf Lodge. Wow. Yeah,
0: that is pretty exciting. So it, it, the the program starts today and it continues. Mm-hmm. I understand until November eighth.
7: Right, uh, it's just an incentive to help clear the candy out of the house, and, and a really good way for parents to introduce kind of a give back in the community because we're going to donate all of the candy to a local soup kitchen and share the candy that way, and it kind of rolls into another event that we're holding this Saturday. It's a free dental screening for the for our community, for the residents in Niagara, for the little littles. It's a great introduction to dentistry and kind of rolls in all with our prevention and early detection as our huge initiatives in our office.
0: Do kids and, and their parents usually donate or give back the candy that they don't really like?
7: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great way. To, <laughs> I think it's a great way to get the stuff out of the house. Yeah. Just uh, the temptation and I think it's a fun incentive, too, for kids to give something and in turn get something, not just, you know, an opportunity or a chance to win something great, but also knowing that, you know, they're clearing something out and then someone in the community is going to enjoy something as well.
0: It's certainly a win-win, that is for sure. Our mm-hmm. guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Christy Sicanolsi, registered dental hygienist who runs the Candy buyback event at Niagara Falls Dental Clinic. They're located on Dorchester Road in Niagara Falls. And as Christy mentioned, there is a free dental screening this coming Saturday at the clinic. And uh, I, I'm going to assume that this is well attended as well, because it all be, it, it also gives... Uh, individuals and their families, a glimpse of how everything works in the dental office, right?
7: Absolutely. It's such a fun introduction because it makes it interactive. We have a children's program, too, that's been very successful. And it kind of led to this um, free event This is our third event this year. And our baby and oral health program just showed how important early detection was. So this early screening not only exposes them to all the great things in dentistry that we didn't really have that exposure to as children, so it prevents a lot of fear. It has the kids coming in excited and aware of what's going to be happening at their dental visits. But it's so interactive. It's super fun. We have lots of swag to give away. There's in-office trick-or-treating. We're going to have just so many fun things to keep them entertain and engage so we're looking forward to that as well it runs from 9 a.m to 1 p.m and right now we have some afternoon appointments available but it's always a great turnout we had a carnival event in the summer and that was really great we had a lot that was a huge event for us so we're hoping to see a lot of little ones out in their costumes again and come and enjoy on Saturday,
0: I really like this part of the event, and again, it's at uh, the Niagara Falls Dental Clinic on Dorchester Road in Niagara Falls, and it happens this Saturday. Th- this part of the, the the celebration or the buyback program that we're talking about, because it it really, um, you know, shows kids and, and parents, you know, what's happening behind the scenes. You're pulling back the curtain mm-hmm. on, you know, how the tools work and what they and what you use each thing for.
7: Exactly, yeah, and it helps us showcase our office too, because we offer everything in one office. So it's really great. You can come and check it out, and new patients are always welcome.
0: And it comes at a good time right after Halloween. I'm sure you're going to have some patients who have, I don't know, maybe some Halloween candy still stuck between their teeth so they can get that cleaned (laughs) out and away they go.
7: A hundred percent. We're here for you.
0: (laughs) Christy, thanks for the time. Good luck with this.
7: Thank you so much for your time. Christy
0: Sickenilce is a registered dental hygienist who runs the candy buyback event at the Niagara Falls Dental Clinic on Dorchester Road in the falls. It's cool. I mean, they're they're taking your candy. You're getting potentially, you know, a chance to win a cool prize, including a $500 GC to Great Wolf Lodge. That is awesome. All this candy goes to a local soup kitchen. It is a win-win-win. Great idea